Well, it's about time you got here. TGIF, it's Manson Mitchell with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to jumpstart your weekend. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. TGIF Indeed. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together we are Manson Mitchell in your ears for the hour. A special hour. We shoot for that every week. Sometimes it's just easy. It's easy to shoot for the stars, and that's exactly what we'll be doing today. But before we get into that, let's say hello to bad boy Benny Mathers at the board. Benny, how are you doing? Shoot for a lot of things. Best I can do. <laughs> I'll tell you who he's might a, be. He's like a cowboy, you know, yeah. like a five-year-old cowboy. Well, that's a you know, <laughs> and I, and we we totally mean that with love. Thanks, <laughs> Benny. I, I'm I on my high chair right now. Like you, got, I got to sit up a little fun. taller that's, today. <laughs> you look fun. a little Toy Story to me today, Benny. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Now, I wanted to uh, say by way of acknowledgement and congratulations, one of your colleagues, Benny, we know him as Eric Ryder, Eric Burris, more formally, has been promoted. He's still in the Hubbard family. He's still in the building. But now I understand he is the operations manager for KKNW and another station. Kids blowing up. Kids blowing up. The mighty, uh, the other AM station here at Kixie AM880. Yes, down the hall from us, and uh, he's double dutying. I mean, uh, good for him. I'm proud of him. He's worked very hard. We've all worked hard. We're continuing pushing forward. And uh, so, yeah, I'm going to see a little less of him. Oh, God, here it comes. I didn't want to bring it up. I'm, <laughs> I'm glad he's still in the family. He was the first person we ever worked yeah. with when we came to the station oh. 15 years ago. That's true. If I If I knew you were going to bring him up, I probably would have tried to look up a show from them and then and see if we could like hear his voice then it's probably same as deep as always like you know up until now but there's yeah. there's time there's time oh for we got all time. That. i like that he's just bringing up stuff gary just like he just goes with the flow he just whatever crosses his mind sure, sometimes not? sometimes it's a little scary what crosses nah. his mind in fact sometimes it just crosses mid heaven but that's an astrological reference. It is. Entirely apt for today's activities because we've got Christopher Renstrom back with us. And how many times do you think he's been on, Gary? I'm going to say the over and under on that would be like 15. And oh, you're wait. so close. 24 oh, today. Oh, man. Oh, Kids got 24. game. Kids yep. Two dozen. Two dozen times. <laughs> Love it. Two right. dozen times today. We got whenever... to get through the hour. It is a new custom of ours. I don't know how new. We've probably been doing it for a few years at least there, but people like it when we read the horoscopes from Christopher oh, Renstrom. Yeah. They're extremely well written and they are so accurate. It's a, I have people all the time say, how can he know what's going on in my inner life? At the time yeah. that I'm reading that, or within a very, it's a day before, a day after, maybe as long as a week later it shows up. But it fascinates people to know that he has his thumb on the pulse of what happens in people's lives as popularly distributed through his syndicated column, but his website as well, rulingplanet.com. And the idea is, um, I don't know, 
I just thought, I don't know. I don't know how he can, can get into the granular aspects under each sun sign when astrology itself is endlessly complicated. And yet he manages to navigate all of that in a very intelligible and compassionate way. So of course, we're going to be reading your scopes today. And I would prefer it if you did the mad props and we'll get them on the air with us. Christopher Renstrom is the creator of rulingplanets.com, an online astrology site based on his best-selling book, Ruling Planets, which is now out of print. He currently writes the daily horoscopes for the San Francisco Chronicle and sfgate.com. Renstrom also lectures on the history of astrology in America from pre-revolution to modern times and runs Ruling Planet workshops around the country. His Facebook is Ruling Planets, his Twitter is Ruling Planets, and his website is Ruling Planets. So you cannot forget that. Welcome for the 24th time, Christopher Renstrom. So happy to have you here today, dear friend. Wow, 24. That's wonderful. (laughs) It's great to be here. Thank you. And to celebrate, you can have two dozen donuts. Okay. I don't see him as a guy who's going to wolf down two dozen donuts anytime soon. Yeah, no, he's quite fit. And I need to, I said ruling planet and I must correct myself. And there's a story there's behind a all of this. Yes. It's rulingplanets.com. Right. Right, right. I would swear, Christopher Renstrom, that I went and looked up rulingplanet.com and it seemed like somebody got a hold of it. Were they trying to buy up something and try to sell it to you? at some point, because it was just the lack of that one letter, but somebody yeah. had snapped up rulingplanet.com. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a really, well, the, the thing is, the term ruling planets might not be too familiar here in the United States, but in India, for instance, it's a very big deal. And so as far as a domain name or something, yes, I'm sure that someone had snatched it up really, really fast. Yeah. You know, so ever, since, <laughs> yeah, ever since we started talking to you right from the beginning, that was always one of the things that uh, was a, a question in my mind or, or something that I noticed hmm. was that um, the, the horoscopes are all by sun sign. And, hmm. and so right from the get go, you were saying, you know, the important thing is the ruling planet. So as an Aries, Um, you know, my ruling planet is Mars. And you have always said it's the ruling planets that are so important in the horoscope, even more so than the sun sign. And so you've educated me over the years about how to look at these horoscopes. And now with your most recent book, The Cosmic Calendar, using astrology to get in sync with your best life, uh, you know, we've read it cover to cover, because we've talked about it before. And I did two calendars, one for me and one for Gary, based on your book, because what people can do when they read Cosmic Calendar is set up a whole year's calendar for best times for things. And I love that. I mean, you had to be thinking about that for a long time, going from the ruling planets to the fact that that astrology is a calendar And we think of it as personalities, you know, there's the Pisces personality, the Aries personality, we always think of it that way. Right. But, but you look at it like seasonal and, and monthly and, you know, different ways, right? 
Right. Well, that's the origin of astrology. Um, you know, nowadays people are kind of like, oh, astrology is irrational or crazy, or or maybe astrology is in or, or something along those lines. But the reason why astrology appears in India, China, Mesoamerica, Mideast, um, they're even finding traces of it in Africa from, from older uh, from older archaeological sites. The reason why astrology is so prevalent is because it was created as a calendar. Okay, if you could basically, um, you know, if, if the moon, for instance, could complete an orbit within a year or the sun or complete an orbit within a month and the sun takes a year to come around back to the spring equinox, not only did A, this give a sense of stability and consistency in a world where everything seemed quite random, uh, you know, the, the idea that there is such a thing as time cycles and that things come back to where they began, but also it, it gave this uh, feeling of timing the actions in your life. And that's why astrology was so important. It didn't tell you what to do, but it told you when to do it. Uh, I, I know in prior conversations, you talked about, you know, there's a good time and, and a bad time to plant your seeds or to go to war or to do certain things mm -hmm. based on the calendar. Well, you can take that very personally and look at your own calendar and say, here's a time where I can expect to have a lot of energy and new ideas. And here's a time where I'm playing cleanup. And here's a time when I'm planning. And you lay all that out so beautifully. Yeah. That's why I think anybody who's interested in astrology should be looking at their best times and their least best times to do certain things. And, yeah. uh, and I like that about the book. Well, astrology was always meant to be practical, you know, um, it, it was never meant to become esoteric or, you know, cosmic mystery or woo woo or anything along those lines. It was always meant to be practical. And the idea that, you know, we're all we all sort of have this we can all accept the idea of having a personal body clock, you know, of, of, of time existing within our body. And so when that's applied to the astrological chart, then that helps you to make more informed decisions. Um, you know, as you were saying, when's a good time to maybe launch a business and when's a good time to maybe hunker down and, and conserve your, your, your savings. And, and that can be done on a personal level, but then you can also have it done on a larger level. Like for instance, what we're experiencing with Saturn traveling through the zodiac sign of Aquarius. Let's take that up in a moment. I wanted to ask you, though, with such a prevalence of astrology in its own form in India, they do things their way. There might be some commonality. I'm sure there is. But in India, particularly, though I've never had such a reading done, it might be fun to do sometime for you and myself, Suzanne. They practice something called joitish. Right. And the sense around joitish, if I understand it at all, seems to do with the most optimal timing for major events and plans in our lives. Yeah, that's my limited understanding of it. I'm, I'm not an expert on, on Indian astrology, although I have tremendous reverence and respect for it. Um, but I'm not that I'm not that familiar with the whole with all the terminology and things like that. You were saying a moment ago, uh, Indian astrology, Chinese astrology, Mesoamerican astrology, with, with all of these systems, do you see a lot of commonality or are they very different? Some 
Okay. <laughs> well, thank well, you for that. <laughs> well, because it gets down to a very simple fact, which is every culture has its own calendar. You know, I mean, uh, there are many um, countries that have a lunar calendar, you know, here in right. America, for instance, right. we have a solar calendar. So that right off the bat is an enormous difference. And that's going to put different emphases and things like that on, on different times of year. Then you get into, you know, countries that are above the equator and countries that are below the equator, and they're not even experiencing the year seasonally in the same way. So, so it gets into all these sorts of, of complexities. And astrology um, is flexible, so it can accommodate that. You know, but again, what it gets down to is really interpreting that in terms of where you're living in the world. Okay. So the, the Chinese system, Chinese astrology would be very different Oh yeah, Chinese astrology, for instance, is based on the um, the polar star and the okay. constellations that surround it. Whereas, for instance, in astrology, how we practice it in the West, it's based on the constellations that are around the zodiacal belt, the tropical zodiac. So right okay. there, there's already a tremendous difference, and I'm not even getting into year of the dog, year of the monkey, year of the right, rat, which right, is a whole right. other different type of astrology, which isn't constellation based at all fascinating it is especially when i look at the characteristics because these are animal references i think they're all mammals they're in in chinese astrology you have the year of the pig year of the monkey year of the horse etc and i find and i was born in year of the horse Horse. yeah and i find that the characteristics of those animals meant to designate human tendencies and traits are pretty damn accurate yeah they are and 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 it's a wonderful expression of the chinese history and the chinese culture you know and but that's based from my understanding almost exclusively on loon on on the moon lunar phases and and the moon moving through the lunar mansions so um and but it's even taken to more of an extreme so it doesn't really have a correspondence with with western astrology people try to get them to correspond you know they they try to say well this is what the western version would or this is what the and i think that that shows a great disrespect actually towards the culture it's like get to know the culture get to know its calendar get to know the way that it's working with these things and the fact that it's different from you is what makes it so intriguing and enlightening and and fascinating thank you for that explanation i know gary you're just like eager 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 to get to these horoscopes However, I just want to slip in here. One of the things I am most interested in is something that Christopher mentioned a moment ago, and that was Saturn going through Aquarius. I'm glad you mentioned. So let's get back to that, and then we'll get to the horoscopes, because, I mean, for years I've been hearing about the age of Aquarius, and things are going to be changing, and they're going to be better, and all that kind of stuff. And, And so we ask you about that periodically. So where do we stand now between now and whenever? End of the year, beginning of next year, what, where are we with Saturn going through Aquarius? Saturn still has another year and a couple of months in Aquarius. Okay. Um, and whenever Saturn enters a sign, it, uh, it, it, it challenges. Uh, first of all, it challenges anyone who's born under that sign. 
Okay, so so if you're an Aquarius, you've been having Saturn traveling through your sign, and so you've been dealing with test trials and tribulations. Um, if you want to know what that's like, ask the Capricorns who had Saturn in their sign two and a half years before. Ah, okay. <laughs> but what's uh, what's so um, important about this is that Aquarius is a society sign. All air signs deal with people. Okay, Gemini, Libra, Aquarius, they all deal with human resources, human relationships, the way that people get along, whether it's as siblings in a partnership or as a collective in a community. And in, Aquari in Aquarius, uh, what we're dealing with is how you get along in society. Okay, so Saturn basically entered Aquarius uh, in about uh, the the uh, early January of, of 2020. And we had already gone through this kind of like shutdown with Saturn in Capricorn, because uh, Saturn can be about a retreat. It ruled over monasteries, retreats, uh, separating yourself from the company of other people. Uh, the last time we had Saturn in Aquarius, it uh, coincided with the dissolution of the Soviet Union. Okay, that was the, and this came out of Saturn having been in Capricorn, it began with the collapse of the Berlin Wall, and it just went on right on through to the dissolution of the Soviet Union. So you had this enormous shift in terms of societies on planet Earth. Now Saturn's in Aquarius right now, and once again, it's not just the Soviet Union, it's everyone. Everyone's society is, is, is undergoing this extraordinary transformation based on, um, you know, do you, choose the past or do you choose the future, which is always the Aquarian conundrum or it's the Aquarian predicament. And so Aquarius can bring out the conservative and the more progressive sides of society. And they basically have to work out what's always new rules with Saturn Aquarius. You're dealing with new rules, new rules of how this society is going to operate. And, and, and it's always a question of individual versus collective, individual versus collective. Um, Aquarius is always the collective. A lot of people sort of mistake it for individual, and it's not. It's the collective, and it's individual Leo, the opposite side, versus the collective. And so this is what we're seeing play out um, in different societies around the globe, because again, Aquarius is a global type of zodiac sign as opposed to a sign like Gemini or even Libra. Wow. And what does, and this is just before we get to the horoscopes here, I want to make time for everybody. What does it look in a brief essay, Christopher, what, astrologically speaking, if we're looking through the prism of the zodiac and Western astrology, what do you think, beyond what you said already, what do you think of a situation in which, and let me give a concrete example, Representative Paul Gosar of Arizona was censured by the House and removed from a couple of committees, okay? And he was brought into the well of the House, and the uh, decision was read by the Speaker of the House. So what did he do? He went and retweeted the retweet that originally offended so many people, and justifiably so, in my opinion. So that was his answer to it. You censure me. I'll go and retweet it again with the violent imagery of, that we have been hearing about on the news. It seems to me that one of the energies coming front and center now is that it's not only that we're politically divided, but there seems to be a kind of popularity, a kind of elan, where both 
without not both sides, where one side in particular feels that the only way to win is to adopt a take no prisoners approach so that if you censure our guy, we will pay you back without any moment, apparently, of collective self-reflection over what occasioned the censure of representative ghosts are in the first place. Right. Right. Um, and, and, and what did you want me to address about that? Well, if you look at it astrologically, uh, could you say, well, when I look here and here and the transits, this is exactly the time when something that outrageous would happen. I think it's less about that. And I think it's more about the tedium of it. You know, when you're dealing with a planet like Saturn, it's a, it's a very slow moving planet. Okay. Everything that you're describing. Okay. I, you know, you did this to me, I'm going to do that to you or whatever. That's more mercurial in nature. Okay. That's a very fast moving planet. So it's more like, it's like a kid on the playground, you know, I know you are, but what am I, you know, type of thing. But when you're dealing with a slower moving planet like Saturn, you're really, what Saturn allows for, and it's actually, you know, people say it's a planet that teaches. And one of the th ways that Saturn teaches is through tedium. You sit through it again and again and again and again, again, and again. until you're like, I am yeah. so friggin' sick and tired of this. <laughs> yes. Okay. yes. And that's when Saturn actually reveals the action step. Wow. Okay. <laughs> it reveals the action step because you're so sick and tired of being sick and tired that yeah. you're either going to resign or do something about it. So, so astrologically, this kind of like, you know, I'm going to get you, I'm going to, uh, this is eclipses in Gemini and Sagittarius and it's Mercury, but it's not Aquarius. Aquarius is the population that's like sick and tired of this whole thing and is going to go and do its own action outside of what's going on in this, you know, children's theater of Congress type of thing. And so again, what I want to give it to is, is Saturn reveals through the tedium of something and just people just reaching the limit of like, ugh, you know, and I think that that's what's going on underneath. Thank you, okay, Christopher. Good. That was wonderful. Thank you. And now I would like to get to the scope. I know. Friday, November 19, 2021. Aries, no sooner do you make a lump sum than friends ask for loans. Assist those who helped you in the past and give a piece of your mind to those who didn't. <laughs> I'm looking at an Aries across the table from me here. That's right. She is capable of such behavior. This is good. But I, I can understand the motivation, believe me. All right, Taurus, our Tarian friends, we have lots of those listening. Your personal life may feel embattled, but you're clearing away psychic dead wood. What emerges is a relaxed and more secure you. Let me get to Gemini. You have one more obligation to take care of before you can move on. It's tougher than it looks. Take a deep breath and get it over with. And I'm going to do cancer and then we'll pause for cancerians today. Somehow along the way, you lost the lead and support is lackluster now. Don't worry about it. This setback gives you plenty of time to regroup. Well, that's interesting in itself. Plenty of time to regroup because if Saturn is an exacting, slow moving planet, it seems to me that a a methodical approach might be especially rewarded at such times because you do need to slow down to figure out where you're going. Well, and that's in keeping with the lunar eclipse, which is taking place today. Okay, we have a lunar eclipse in Taurus, 
which is a very slow and steady sign. And we also happen to be undergoing a lunar eclipse, which is the longest lunar eclipse, I think, on record for quite a long period of time. So what's kind of being rewarded uh, in the race of the hare and the tortoise, the tortoises are getting rewarded right now. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's like you can have the hares, you know, racing forward or whatever and taking rests and things like that. But it's the people who are following the course of the slow and steady those are the ones who are going to be rewarded under the um, lunar eclipse in Taurus, which takes place today. I wanted to ask you a question. I think before we take our break, I'm going to go ahead and make sure I get this in. In terms of the methodology of astrology, Christopher, and you're an excellent historian of astrology, I am curious to know if astrologers notice when one of their number, a fellow practitioner, uses divination, divinatory tools, aside from astrology, in coming together with a report, of course, horoscopes, when they are predictive with their astrology. Do you ever listen to somebody and say, oh, I can tell they're using numerology and they probably own a tarot deck as well in order to generate their insights so that the purists among you might say, well, that's very entertaining, but it's not exactly astrology. Well, I, I believe in using whatever tools are available, you know, and I think that, um, you know, if someone wants to incorporate numerology into their own things like that, that's wonderful. You know, I think that that's great. And astrology lends itself to that. Um, and, and, and these are just tools in the toolbox. And I think the, uh, I think whatever you need to use to generate is, is wonderful. It would be like limiting a painter to one paintbrush, you know, or, or something like that. So, so I'm all for that. Um, purists, I'm always like, mm. <laughs> you know, when it's like, well, it hasn't been done to, according to these strict codes and ethics and rules and things like that. I'm like, mm. you know, I've always been more for the, you know, more tools or things to play around with the better, you know, the more creativity that comes into interpretive work, the, the better. You know, it's interesting that you say that because I think of all the various systems you're of course immersed in astrology and, and you know about a lot of other things, but it, it's interesting that sometimes I will look to see where I am numerologically, Yeah, you know, and I'll, I'll look at that. Some days I'll look at the astrology. I'll look at different things because it's just different ways of looking at the same thing. If I'm looking at my life, there's lots of different lenses I can look at it you know, a, a red lens and a blue lens and a green lens, and, and it all has different shadings on it. So, you know, I'm glad you're saying it's not the be all and the end all. It's, it's one way, one way well, to look. You it's know? like cooking, you know, do you yeah. really want to eat the same meal every night? You know, I mean, like, don't you want variety? <laughs> sure. You, you know, sure. or if you're involved in cooking, you want to, you know, yeah. maybe like, okay, I'm going to cook Indian tonight, or I'm going to cook, you know, Chinese tonight, or whatever. You know, it it it's it's it, it's wonderful to be able to use mm -hmm. all of those things to do interpretive work, and I think it just makes it all the more enriching. And and you know, I think when you're looking at all these things, the the I Ching, the uh, tarot cards, the numerology, astrology, you know, all of that, um, as you pointed out, they don't exactly give you the answers, but they give you the tools so you can discover 
the answer for yourself. Yeah. This is all about navigating ourselves through this lifetime in the best way that we can. And you, uh, the subtitle of your book, The Cosmic Calendar, is using astrology to get in sync with your best life. Isn't that what everybody wants? I just want to have the best life here that I can possibly have. Right. Using astrology is, is, as you said, one of the tools, but you can use a number of tools in that navigating that journey of what is the best life going to be. And it, it also leads me to think that all of the tools in the toolbox uh, generally are there to help you develop your own intuition about what is your best life. So it's all kind of going into the right brain kind of stuff. It's not going to be as logical and analytical as you, as you might find that, you know, on a piece of paper that uh, outlines it number one, number two, number three, and then you're done. Right. I mean, it's, it's the difference, you know, you give a kid a paint box, right. You know, or a paint set, you know, they, you can, you can either give them an empty canvas or you can get, give them a paint by number. Right. And, and I'm all for empty canvas, but I've got no problem with paint by number. You know, the, the only time when I get a little critical about the different disciplines is when people try to, you know, it's kind of like, um, if I'm practicing Western astrology, I'm going to have this expectation that I get the same thing from Eastern astrology or something. It's this, you know, like the correlation of this zodiac sign is right in the tarot. No, no, no. Just let the astrology be the astrology, the tarot be the tarot, the numerology be the numerology, the Wiccan be the Wiccan, and mix and match however you please. You I know. like that. I like that. Match. A very entertaining eclecticism. We yeah. are late for a break, Gary Mance. All right, let's go ahead and get to that. And when we come back, Leo, you're up. We will come back. And of course, we have the marketing piece so that we can put you up close and personal with Christopher Renstrom, our honored guest of the hour. We are Manson Mitchell. We're here for you and you're here for us and we are having a party on this Friday. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days. And I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please, get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash manceandmitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world-famed, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is manceandmitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty. 
yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. On Friday, Nance and Mitchell welcome renowned astrologer Christopher Renstrom for a current look at the planetary alignments between now and the end of the year and what you can expect. There will be horoscopes. On Saturday, Malia Jacobs returns for a conversation about successfully performing in life and how you can enhance your performance in 2022. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Self-help, healing, spirituality, and more on Alternative Talk, 1150. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell. And our guest for the 24th time, one of our most, most favorite A-list guests, Christopher Renstrom. He is the author of a couple of books. One of them is out of print, and that's Ruling Planets. But he's got one that is brand new in print. Go buy it. The Cosmic Calendar, Using Astrology to Get in Sync with Your Best Life. Christopher, if people want to subscribe to your online service, find out about the Cosmic Calendar, or follow you in any of the social media places, where would they do that? Uh, well, you can go to my website, which is rulingplanets.com, and uh, subscription is $1.99 a month or $22 a year, and what you get is your daily horoscope, your weekly horoscope, cosmic alert, things to look out for, and you also uh, do a sort of uh, deep unpacking of your ruling planet itself. Um, you can read about your ruling planet and uh, how, it, how it acts in your chart and how it acts and behaves in your life, so there's all sorts of information that there, that's there. <clears throat> There's also the Facebook, uh, which is part of it, uh, but the Instagram is at Christopher Renstrom, and there I do weekly IG lives, and uh, again, you can get your daily horoscopes, and I also do video things that appear there as well, and then you can link on to uh, the, the uh, YouTube presence that I now have uh, through oh, really? Astrology Hub, yeah, so I do oh. a thing for, for Astrology Hub where I appear pretty regularly, so that's me all over, as Scarecrow used to say in Wizard of Oz. <laughs> I love that. We've got to subscribe. Plenty of places to find Christopher Renstrom. YouTube, that's wonderful. And let's let's read a few more scopes, Gare. And again, this is from rulingplanets.com. You can also find these horoscopes attractively presented, alternatively, at sfgate.com. That is, seems to be rather a merger of the San Francisco Daily Newspapers online. But home base for Christopher Renstrom will always be rulingplanets.com. If that changes, we'll let you know, or he will. <laughs> okay, Leo, I promised you're up next. Here we go. Honor a pledge, even if it goes against every fiber of your being. What you lose now will come back later as a moral victory. Virgo, short and sweet today. Reaching for an opportunity could jeopardize what you have. Review the pros and cons one more time. We'll review that later, Gary. Yes, we will. <laughs> Libra. Now, dig this. Librans, try to get beyond the day-to-day -day so you can take a bird's-eye view of the situation. You'll see that holding on costs more than letting go. Ooh. Very interesting. Let's see. That was uh, one, one, more? one more. We'll do one more. You want one more? I we'll do one, one more. more. Yeah. Scorpio, make sure your facts are in order before grilling others on theirs. 
Nothing takes the air out of an argument faster than faulty assumptions. Very excellent. We will read the rest here shortly. Uh, let me ask you there. I like, let's go with Scorpio here because I find this very interesting. Make sure your facts are in order before grilling others on theirs. Nothing takes the air out of an argument faster than faulty assumptions. With Scorpios in particular, Chris, Christopher, it's been my experience that they are blessed, if you can call it that, with second sight. So if there are faulty assumptions to be examined, it's because they're not engaging the two hemispheres of their brain, I'm guessing. I have I've been involved, including intimately, with Scorpio women who can size somebody up in 30 seconds and see that they're a schnook while I'm still shaking their hand and saying, wow, what a great guy. <laughs> yeah, Scorpios were all born with the BS identifier factor. <laughs> <laughs> they can sense it right off the bat. So it's never a good idea to try to pull the wool over their eyes or anything like that. Where Scorpio's judgment or assessment of a situation can get a little distorted, though, is the suspicion. Okay, they 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 can they can lead with that suspicion. There's always like you're you're guilty before proven innocent, you know, thing with the Scorpio. And so mm. they always want to know what's not being talked about, what you left out, why did you skip that topic really quickly? Why does your story that you're telling right now not resemble the one that you told before? You know, so there's always this sense of like a sixth uh, a sixth sense about a hidden agenda, you know, what's been kept you know, off, off the table and they want to know about it. And more oftentimes they're right. But um, that, that sense of being right can come out of a suspicion, like you're meaning to hide something. And they don't always take into account that maybe someone's leaving something out because it's a very personal matter. They're struggling with a very painful situation. Uh, there are other people's interests or responsibilities that are bound up in it, you know. And so that's where the Scorpio sometimes has to, you know, take a couple of steps back and really sort of ask, you know, might there be a reason why something wasn't really addressed right right now? That's not necessarily criminal, you know, which is which is always their first reaction, you know, which is like, okay, you're you're hiding a secret to get away with something, you know, and 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 it might just Very be good. discretion or something along those lines. Is it fair to say that Scorpios are by nature suspicious? I think that's what I'm gleaning from what you say. You're guilty until you prove otherwise. It's kind of, it's rather a painful assumption and as you see here it can be a faulty assumption because it can poison communications at the outset yeah and and what that comes from is that it's a fall sign um people born in scorpio are born in the heart of fall and that's a time of year when things are going to seed when the leaves are falling when you know the landscape is becoming barren now you can live in a city and and not even notice that and nothing really changes but what's been kind of like programmed into the astrological dna of the sign is this idea of barrenness or things things not lasting for a long time and so scorpios are very very sensitive if they're getting the short end of the stick or um, if someone's getting away with something, or you know, if, if something that was theirs was spoiled by someone else, or stolen, or something along those lines, so they can be very, very sensitive uh, to those things. And and usually, it's rooted in a childhood experience that that really um, proved to be very, very negative, negative in their life. We're talking about um, the sun sign, Scorpio. How does that work if Scorpio shows up in one of the other areas? 
Right. Well, it's going to um, like one of the other areas, like if you have a planet that's in Scorpio and that it's right. like a, like a moon in Scorpio yeah. or. Yeah. Um, well, Mercury in Scorpio is going to be very furtive in the way that it communicates, you okay. know, because Mercury okay. is a planet of communication. Okay. Um, the moon in Scorpio can, ex can um, sort of almost anticipate rejection before it actually takes place. Oh, interesting. It can be a very kind of like, um, defensive moon or an on its guard type of moon mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it is a calloused moon you know the moon is is said to be in fall in the zodiac sign of scorpio but it's also an extremely loving moon but you really have to win over so whoever has a moon in scorpio you really have to win over their emotional trust um wow. uh, uh, uh jupiter in scorpio is going to affect the person's philosophy um, oh, no. their outlook on the world. They may see the world as a place where there isn't plenty, you know, nice mm -hmm. things don't happen to nice people. Oh. And so there may be, you know, and then that plays its own, that that's its own thread in an elaborate tapestry of that particular horoscope. It, it also, it, it seems interesting to me that I know that these close in planets uh, get around the sun very quickly yeah. And then when you have your farther out planets, you have people who are generally of the same age as you, yeah. who all have that um, planet in the same place um, in their, in their, um, in their astrological map. Yeah. So then some things would seem to be very generational. Yes. Yes, they are. And those are called yeah. the generational planets like Uranus, yeah. Neptune, and, and, and Pluto, uh, because they take so long. And you can see that sort of show up in the generations. You know, mm -hmm. um, people who were born with Pluto and Scorpio, for instance, were born, um, whether it affected their lives or not, but they were born at the advent of AIDS. Okay, mm. which, uh, if you think of Scorpio's motifs, sex, death, mm. other people's money, you know, quickly yes. comes to mind uh, right. with, with that. And so that's going to affect uh, anything from feelings about body to finances. Uh, people born with Pluto and Sagittarius, it's a more evangelical, you know, uh, type of, 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 of flavor and feeling with that. You know, we have to change the world now and this is the higher purpose and we have to, you know, bring this news to everyone and wake people up. You know, people born uh, Pluto in, 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 in Capricorn 2009 on have tremendous financial anxiety. And if you've looked at what's gone with our economy, you know, since 2007 to now, you know, did we get back? Uh, are we healed? Are we not healed? Where are we? You know, th th this is something that's also very much in the back of the horoscope. And whether it plays a very strong role or a background role will always be decided upon the position of the planet in the horoscope. And, and then that just reminds me of, uh, you know, as I get older, I see these generational differences. And so that would kind of explain it to a certain extent with that tool from the toolbox that you'll have a number of people who were born with that same planet, the outer planets like that, who all feel the same way and look at life the same way just because of that one influence perhaps i mean it, it's it's still going to be generative but 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 right. perhaps, 
Like I'm, what's that? Well, I know you have all the other factors of the yeah. close-in planets that would make a difference. So I'm not talking about cookie cutter, but there will be a certain resonance if you yes. have a whole group of people who all have a, a Pluto in the same place. Well, just look at the difference between, you know, the greatest generation, which is Pluto and Cancer, yes. and then yeah. what we now call Bi-Boomer, which is yeah. Pluto. Leo. I mean, you know, and even the Pluto and Leo, which, which is mm -hmm. made out to be full of themselves and privileged. And, and that's one of the big complaints that the younger generation has. Mm -hmm. So you actually do see this intergenerational yeah. um, arguing and fighting taking place. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. I, if I can squeeze in a question here just before we get to the, and I'll read the rest of the horoscopes at once. Is Scorpio the planet, or excuse me, Scorpio, is it the sign? that had to be reassigned a planet after the discovery of Pluto. Uh, that had to be, no, because um, uh, Aquarius gained Uranus as a co-ruler co uh, following its discovery in 1781. And then um, Pisces was assigned Neptune in conjunction with Jupiter in, in the 1840s. And then in 1930, when Pluto's discovered, that's assigned um, co-rulership to Scorpio. There was some debate at the time whether it was Aries or Scorpio. The German school was hanging out, holding out for Aries, but um, you know, eventually it prevailed that Pluto would be assigned a dual rulership. So, so Mars and Pluto both have joint custody, so to speak, of hmm. the zodiac sign of, of Scorpio. So three signs. Wow. Uh, Aquarius, Pisces, and Scorpio have paired planets, joint custody planets. Interesting. The plot thickens. Yeah. I love it. Always. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we will resume our reading of the horoscopes with Sagittarius today. Don't sit down at the bargaining table with a list of demands. Put the accent on achievements. The other side will happily reward you. And then we have Capricorn. You came close to severing ties many times, but a certain someone isn't going anywhere, except that she or he is a permanent fixture. And then Aquarius. Wait, wait, go back. Go back, go back, go back, go back. Go back. Okay. I got Capricorn in the house. Yeah, well, that's exactly why. I've got some big news here in a couple of weeks that I, I can't go on the air with it, but uh, it's exactly to a T. Let's just leave it at that. I love that. Woo! We'll find out. We'll what? find out. A Stay Benny tuned. teaser. I'm Twitter right. paid. I'm Twitter paid. <laughs> love it. <laughs> Aquarius, intimates don't understand changes taking place. They're not resistant. They just want what's comfortable and familiar. Be reassuring while asking for more elbow room. And finally, Pisces. It's hard to go against the advice of someone you trust, but this person has a blind spot regarding your situation. Step gingerly around it. The stepping gingerly intrigues me, Christopher, because with Pisceans, what I have noticed, and I'm a guy with his moon in Pisces in the eighth house, and I think oh. I understand where some of this is coming from. Yeah, soul growth alert. When it comes to Pisces, they are the ones, and I've seen this with Pisces women quite a bit. You ask them, what in God's name are you doing with him or her in that relationship? Don't you realize that they are sapping you of your vitality? They're going to leave you a heap on the floor if you're not careful. And that's just the point. 
Piscians of my acquaintance many times, and I've known them in many places in America, will do just about anything, pouring themselves out emotionally to save a relationship, whether it deserves to be saved or not. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, Pisces, what is that? Is it Oscar Wilde? Every, every sinner has a no, every saint has a past and every sinner, uh, oh, I, I messed it up, but, but Pisces really relate to people who are suffering, okay? And, and, and it's not like they're actually really trying to make the relationship work or not. They're really trying to make the soul work or they're, they're, they're relating to the suffering soul that's going on underneath it. And that's the thing that's really important to them. So we can't really apply our modern politics or understanding of a relationship to a Pisces, because Pisces is a water sign. I mean, we, if you want to talk about relationships and what's a good relationship and who talk to an air sign, they'll go on endlessly about it. But with the water signs, it's really what tugs at my heart and my soul. And Pisces can feel a very strong responsibility uh, to not save the soul, but to support and comfort the soul that's hurting and that's that's something that really speaks to them quite powerfully and quite strongly so they're the ones who are standing by the person who's in trouble you know oh my god are you ever right unbelievable there there was a good friend of mine for a while uh, i hope that she's doing well in life don't know what happened to her but i do know this she was telling me one time about a relationship she had when she was much younger. And she said that she found out that he was drug addicted. Yeah. And so with her native compassion being a Piscean, she came up with the bright idea that maybe she should try the drugs that on which he was addicted and that held him ensnared because she wanted to have a more compassionate understanding of his plight as an addicted person. Fast forward a little bit. You've got two addicted people. Right. <laughs> and the idea was, I want to help you get through this. And then I guess the next chapter is, how do we get through this? Right. And she was and a Pisces. And maybe that was her way of, of, of doing it. But, but they really... Uh, you know, Gemini responds to bright, shiny objects, you know, bright new ideas, you know, and Pisces responds to lost aching souls, you know, mm. th that's, that's, that's what they respond to, because they really, really understand that. And they really have that love to give. I mean, for Pisces, love is not a finite source. It's a constantly renewing source. I mean, it's, a, that's why it's a very, very loving sign, um, but at times can also be a very absentee sort of sign as well. There's that flip side to it as well. And with strong escapist tendencies, I've noticed, including in myself, and my I'm not born a Pisces, my moon is in Pisces, so I tended for the longest time until I gained a certain amount of self-awareness, I would emote like a Piscean. And man, that's a, a rough nine yards, let me tell you. <laughs> Emotionally, it is. <laughs> Benny was kind enough to put the quote up from Oscar Wilde. Can you read that, Suzanne? The only difference between the saint and the sinner is that every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. That's it. Thank you. Yeah. I almost got it. I, I love you that. Did. You were very close. Yeah, you were very close. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 and to me, that's like Pisces. 
<laughs> like they they get that. Mm. We've got three minutes to go. Christopher, looking ahead at the transits over the next 30, 60, 90 days, what is coming humanity's way? Venus retrograde. Is that okay? Okay, Venus turns retrograde in the zodiac sign of Capricorn. And so that is going to bring into question pledges that people have made recently. Okay, so that's going to affect relationships for people born under Capricorn, of course, as, as well as people born under uh, Taurus and uh, Libra. And it's going to be really the idea of like, I made this pledge, I made this promise, and what am I risking as a result of that? Um, I've made this pledge, I made this promise, have I delivered on it? Um, I made this pledge, I made this promise, was I duped? Was it something worth doing? You know, was I manipulated in, in some sort of way? So there's a kind of like rethink of what I betrothed myself to or a rethink of what I pledged myself to. Um, and sometimes that can be like, whoa, this was a mistake. Or sometimes that can be like, I'm going on this wild and crazy adventure. I don't know where this is going, but this is actually fortifying me in my feelings of support or betrothal or loyalty to something. So, so it's really kind of like you made a pledge and now you're going to see what results from that. And that's going to be with us over, uh, wow. over the next couple of months. Yeah. And when does that start? I believe that starts, I know I meant to check that. I think that starts around January 6th or January. Okay, so really early in the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Early in 2022. You realize the rest of our lives, anything that starts on January 6th, be afraid, <laughs> be very afraid. Right. <laughs> I, you're right, I forgot about that. Yeah. Right, a date that will live in infamy. Mm. It used to be back in the day, there are many people still alive who felt a superstitious foreboding, whether it was supported by their life circumstances or not, if they were either born on December 7th or were intimate with somebody who was, as they used to say, a Pearl Harbor baby. Right. And, you know, they, I like to do away with superstition, but there's just this attachment. I still apologize to people like, you know, what did I do there? But I'll go to somebody. My, my birthday is September 12th. You know how relieved I am that I wasn't born on September 11th, but I know many people born on September 11th. And I asked one lady, she was in her eighties at the time. And I said, I'm sorry that you have that attachment now, because this was coming up on the first anniversary of September 11th. And she gave the earthiest response. It was just perfect. She said, I know, but what are you going to do? <laughs> so astrology rewards stoicism as well. <laughs> That's a good way to put it, Gary. <laughs> Thank you, Christopher Renstrom, for joining us once again. It's always a great pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Happy holidays. See you soon. Yes. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Stay tuned for the Christine Upchurch show and later on American Road Trip Talk with host Gary Lance. Let this be the start of a great weekend in your life, everyone.